This episode of Punching Sideways, we just want to let you know it features the occasional naughty word. So if kids are normally listening along, they might want to sit this one out. Radio, that's it with the housekeeping stuff. Josh and Mel, over to you. Hello, Farmer Mel. Josh, just just explain what, yeah. what just happened. So Mel's got a dog in the room named Winnie, who's a champ, and Mel's just having grown up on a farm, had a certain face that I've seen farmers give to animals before when Winnie was misbehaving. She, she said, stop it, with the most intense look of all time that I didn't think she was capable of. So now you're Farmer Mel. Farmer Mel. Well, she'd had her chances and I just waited for a bit of a time where we weren't recording to just turn around and go, right, I feel like it's like a child and you're just acting like everything's all, all good and okay. <laughs> and then when you get a chance, you're like, that's enough. Back in the car after that's the enough, supermarket. <laughs> that's enough of that. You wait till we get home. So. You had a bit of that look to it. Yeah. <laughs> wait till we get back to the farm. <laughs> um, oh, Rudy, finally. He's coming, my best friend. Oh, I'm definitely... He's just always been this fictitious, like, he, he person was. in your life. You talk about him, I'm like, let's get him on. And you're just like, oh, he's super busy, he's got a kid. And I'm like, is he a real person? <laughs> like, and then no. I got a Facebook, like, you know, I saw that he had a legitimate-looking Facebook profile yep. with, you know, multiple interactions. I was like, well, maybe he's real. Yep. Maybe he's real. Because he also comes from the era of... Pre-Josh that I did not know. Yes, he is a bit older than me. No, 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 no. I mean the era of the oh, Josh sorry, that you're, I... you're pre-Josh, yes. Yeah, like I didn't meet like Rudy's Josh. <laughs> no. I met... Uh, no, there were several iterations of me you never met. Probably yeah. best. <laughs> yeah, so I, all this stuff is a, a big like ball of yarn that's getting yes. unraveled in front of me. Hopefully it's a good ball of yarn and hopefully Winnie doesn't grab it. The The reason why I wanted to have Rudy on was it, is mostly because it adds context to different parts of my life that have come up before. Mm-hmm. For anyone that's listening to the show, on some level they wouldn't listen to it if they didn't care at all about my life, yeah. I guess, or yours for that matter. But also he does a lot of interesting things, but he, he is a bit of a mystery man and a lot of what he does – behind the scenes, particularly creatively, mm-hmm. is kind of it – almost, it almost is shrouded in secrecy and I try to encourage him for it not to be. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why I wanted him to come on. Yeah. Just to, you know, poke and prod and do those sorts of little things but also give him some encouragement to get it out there but also that I know, having seen some of the work he does behind the scenes, that it is really exceptional. Well, I want to see him. I want to meet him. You will. He's right. coming. Bring him in. Right on. Let's do it. No. I wanted to say, it's not Belinda Carlisle, but I wanted to say a C word to Chrissy. Is it Chrissy? Where Amphlet? Or, yeah. Or, I don't know. That sounds, yeah. That Amphlet. It's a weird name. Yeah. No, it's not yeah. her. It's not her. It's someone nicer. Oh. A nicer. Well, she's dead now, so don't be so. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Way to bring the show down. Disrespectful. <laughs> what a, what a memorial. How much nicer can you get than that? We will, throughout the episode, <laughs> confirm who sings. <laughs> I'm so bad. No, but I know it's someone nice, someone wholesome and nice. Speaking of being you're so vain, mm. since, you know, you're a good-looking rooster and you obviously look after yourself oh, and thanks. now you've got Josh here. Mm, stiff competition. Uh, with his peroxide blonde hair. Mm. How do you feel about him? You two are in a band now. Yeah. How do you feel about him taking away a bit of the spotlight? It's lucky I'm married. I'll tell you that. Because if I was single, oh, you'd be dead. You'd be being single. Yeah. Oh, I'd be a little filler. I'd have to up the game somehow. I don't know how calf implants. I don't know. Yeah. I would somehow have to compensate. <laughs> yes. For what you've done, I approve of what you've done, and I swear to God, I didn't think you would do it. You are not the sort of person usually. You're a very subdued, sensible person. Yeah. This is like. You've lost your mind. So we're talking about um, Josh's very blonde hair, and I I doubt that. Well, Rudy is finally a real person in front of me right now because I've heard about him a lot. He's like oh. a fictitious character that's just 
apparently a really good friend of Josh's, but I've never <laughs> seen him in the flesh. And he's mm. just, uh, but yes, we're talking about the blonde hair. And I don't think you've not met me until today mm-hmm. and you don't know how persuasive I can be without actually blatantly asking it. <laughs> yeah. I've been pretending that it was part of my long game. I'm like, oh, if I don't like it, then I can start dyeing my hair for the first time in like a decade. So for me, it was win-win. Yeah. But quietly, I was hoping, fingers crossed, that the blonde would be good mm. because I'm like, oh, I'd prefer probably that colour if it was going to be a colour. Do you think you'll keep it like that? Yeah. For good? Yeah. Really? Well, Nice. Maybe not for good, but for the foreseeable future. This is the evolution of well, Josh Liston. Um, when his hairdresser is available, which is me. Who did that? Did you do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I didn't realise there was going to be all these aftermarket costs. Oh, you've got to buy this special. <laughs> you got to buy yeah, this yeah. special shampoo, and yeah. you've got to use this, and you've got Pur- to do purple shampoo. Purple shampoo. Yes, good man. Yeah, and I've got to admit, I wasn't expecting that stuff to smell so nice. Mm. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, the bathroom smells like purple shampoo. Mm. I'm okay with it. <laughs> so you're lucky, but at least your hair. Is a darker color, but it's not as dark as mine. Yeah. Like mine is, you know what mine's like. Mine's like a three month process of auburn to orange to light orange to fluoro orange yeah. to shitty blonde and then eventually blonde. Yeah. yeah. I have to wear a beanie for like a long time before yeah. I can unveil it. Well, I thought there was one bleaching involved. And then Mel just looked at me, nah, idiot. <laughs> then there, there was two lots of. Conditioning or whatever afterwards. Yeah. It was it was a process. Process. Well, I like it. I like it. I'm happy with it. But n- enough about me, Rudy, Rudy <laughs> Gerard. Yes, one I'm... of my oldest and best friends oldest. in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to used to a finally meeting because Mel's my best new friend, and this is my <laughs> best older friend. So you're oh. in the same room for the first time, and I guess as adults, Are you it, it is it is weird that it's been probably well at least since we started doing this show together eighteen yeah. months, but probably nearly two years. Mm-hmm. And you're only meeting for the first time. Mm. But, I mean, I am very uh, sheltered nowadays. Like, I've been wanting to meet you this whole time too, but I just I just don't get out much. So that's, <laughs> yeah. a good, that's a good place to start. Yeah. You're a bit of a recluse by nature mm-hmm. and you like being at home. Mm-hmm. Not a big fan of humans, same as Mel <laughs> and at times. <laughs> Not really. Give me a world full of dogs. But how for someone <laughs> like you that a lot of people would probably think, oh, he'd be loving this state of the world. Mm. How's it been for someone like you that's a bit reclusive by nature? <clears throat> I don't know. It's a long story. Like I, because it's funny being a singer in a band and, and you know, I am more of an extrovert. I don't know. I'm very much both. Omnivert. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah. I learned something Is it today. omnivert or ambivert? Oh, I think it's a, maybe I'm thinking omnivore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably that ambi- as well. Because it's like ambidextrous. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's like, a, Yeah, not, not that we need to go down the English yeah. pathway. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. You're a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. And well, I am too. Yeah. I can... And I mean, that's a, that's a common trait, especially in lead singers. Like a lot of lead singers, and you know this, when they're not on stage singing, they don't like being around a lot of people. They don't like a lot of conversation. They really don't like people in general. They just want to be in a quiet place and do whatever they want and- when COVID first hit and they said, you've just got to stay home or lockdowns first were implemented, I was like, great. Yeah. This is exactly the world I want to live in. We just need 10 more dogs yeah. and about $30,000 <laughs> to spend on cookies. Yeah. And, um, but now, well, especially having a kid, Arden was born, Arden's my daughter. Yeah. She was born right at the start of COVID. Mm-hmm. So COVID hit, Arden was born three weeks later. In the middle of the bushfires, in the middle of COVID, so it was a very memorable time. And we thought, well, like everyone, this will be around for a little while and it'll pass and it hasn't gone away. Like she's 19 months old now mm-hmm. and it's still going on. We still can't go anywhere. And the thing Maddie and I worried about, this is sort of a tangent, not really answering the question, but I'll get back to it, is that her memories, like you look at child photos of yourself and you see yourself in people's different houses, uncles and aunts or the zoo and aquarium Mm-hmm. Sydney Harbour Bridge, all that shit. We don't have any of those, and we don't know when we're going to have any of those. And it's really upsetting that most of her nice photos so far are in our lounge room, or in Mum and Dad's lounge room, or in our backyard. Or, and it's really sad, and especially now because she's very conscious of everything that's going on around her, and she's super smart, like a ridiculously smart kid. She doesn't like kitty stuff as much like she kind of likes the wiggles and she likes bluey but she's very much into dinosaurs and mm-hmm. you can tell her level of intellect is slightly higher than what it should be clearly like, from maddie's side of the family yeah. 
Okay. I've only I've only just met you, but I would tend to agree there must be some anomaly thing happening. <laughs> Continue, but um, but all these things she can't experience all these things because of the current climate. Like we bought her tickets to Bluey yeah. that was coming to Albury, they cancelled it. Bought her tickets to the Wiggles that was going to be in Wagga, they cancelled it. The Sesame Street Circus was coming to Wodonga, which was going to be epic. I wanted to go to that. Yeah, I'm a huge Sesame Street fan, and that got cancelled. So it turns out all these things. And I know these aren't memories she's going to retain forever, but they're good memories for us, you know, yeah. for her to experience new things and see new things and learn new songs and all those things, and she's not going to see any so of So what are you really saying out of all of this mm. is it's all about you. <laughs> That's what I've just well, got I don't know how much... last little bit, which brings us back to the lead singer scenario. Yeah, well, I don't know how much Josh has told you about me, but, I mean, that should be on my resume, basically. Yes. The headline is, it's all about me. Interest. I can't take my kid to this so I won't have photos for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inter- interests and hobbies, me. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. I mean, I, I... Can I just say one thing, though? Obviously, for Arden, during that period, all she's really absorbing is love or lack of love. Mm. So she's probably, I would say, getting as much or more of that in your oh. lounge room than she would be on the top of a bridge. Oh, 100%. 100%. But I know what you're saying. Mm. It's an experience that you guys would be having during your youth, mm. Maddie and you, that you also have her as part of. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So it's not really just about you. It's yeah. about what you could be doing with her. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Like we want her to experience as much as possible every day, regardless of whether she's going to retain that memory or not. Yeah. And Seeing her face experience new things and see new things is, you know, like, I mean, before I was a parent, everyone said, oh, you know, it's magical and blah, 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 and all this shit. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But I can see it now. And it took me a while. Like, we might get onto it later. To answer the question initially, at first, it was great. I thought, we don't have to go out anywhere. You know how much I love movies. Like, I will watch, you know, five movies a day if you let me. But eventually, it started getting old. We were lucky to get away last year, earlier this year when we went to Tarthra. We usually go to Tarthra once a year. And we were lucky enough in between when it wasn't so bad to get away for a week. We were there for like six days and it rained for five of them. So that was phenomenal. Bit of tent time. Yeah. Was, <laughs> Lots oh, of tent time. That was a mistake. Yeah. Because with, with Arden, because, you know, kids need day naps and all that shit. And it's not really easy in a camper trailer with sunlight blaring through the walls and. Yeah. Frankie J holding doing concerts every night. I was just like, dude, <laughs> shut up. No one wants to hear this shit. So it's funny you brought up concerts, mm. and we will come back to your current life. Mm-hmm. You, but you're one of the people that, when I first met you, had a bit of insight into the previous era of music as well mm-hmm. around here. And that's how most people, I think, would probably still remember you that are closer to your age and my age mm. as a musician type. You're in a band called Redshift, mm. and you also were around what was known as the practice pit. Now, I don't know oh. if Mel remembers the practice pit, but this is kind of like a, you know how everyone talks now about the lack of a rehearsal studio and yeah. how it's hard to find a place to rehearse? There used to be a dedicated spot in over in a part of what, near Lavington, North yeah. Albury, yeah. with a bunch of, almost like a circle of rehearsal rooms, yeah. and a lot of bands would meld together there and they oh, exactly. form super groups and yeah. they would get an actual place to rehearse. And you were actually part of that. Yeah. I only saw the very tail end of it. Mm. And so much music came out of that place. Like it was, I think it was six rooms, all with locked doors, soundproof rooms, big space to set up all your stuff. There was a little studio on the side too, so you could pay to get stuff recorded. And it was just a magical musical commune for all the musos to get together. And I met so many musicians there. And we would go into each other's rooms and listen to what everyone's doing. And depending on how PG the show is, it was a great place to smoke bongs. Um, <laughs> well, it was. I heard a lot about that. Yeah, because <laughs> back then, I mean, you know, we're 19, 20, 21. And if you're playing music and you're 21, you're smoking weed. You're like, looking that's up just how it goes. to Lane Staley from Alice in Chains yeah, and exactly. all those bong smokers. So. Basically. Don't want to end up where all those singers ended <laughs> no. up. No. But it was great. You know what I mean? Like the, the camaraderie between all the musicians back then was ridiculous. And Aubrey was known as this central musical hub where just music just kept coming out and gigs were, you know, there were three gigs a week every week and the venues were phenomenal. Like, you know, the Termo, like we first... Love the Termo. Oh, like I remember after I first moved back from Adelaide and Emily, my sister, was hanging out at Soden's all the time with these guys. And then Emily said, well, now that you're back, you haven't been for a while, come to Soden's with me. And, And I knew Josh and Dan like very little sort of thing. I'd met them before and they were, you know, a little bit younger than me. 
but we reconnected there and we started talking. We started talking music and obviously I wanted to get back into music because in Adelaide I was by myself and mm-hmm. not really doing anything at all. So I was so keen to get back into it. And then there was Sodens and then remember we played that show at, I was in a band called Poligro and you were in the Third Estate. Yeah. And we both played a show at the Termo, mm. which was magic. Yeah. So just before Adelaide though, mm-hmm. you were you expecting to come back to, obviously there was a venue still, but there wasn't somewhere like the practice pit when you got no, back. No. Like we were rehearsing after we started yeah. with the Third Estate kind of combined together with yourself. We were rehearsing in the back of a house mm-hmm. and trying to avoid the police coming and shutting us mm-hmm. down. Was that weird for you going away and there was something oh, like the practice pit or a version of it and coming back and it was like, okay, where do we actually go to get better? Look, I remember coming back and thinking, where am I going to smoke bongs now? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I do remember that. No, because <laughs> no, my dad, will, I can't do it at home. Like, But yeah, like, I don't know, coming back and like, I didn't know how I was going to get back into music at all. Like, luckily, Sodens was there and everyone who was anyone in music was hanging out there. Like, that was the place to hang out. There were all these other venues with live music, but Sodens was like the clubhouse. Yeah. Where all the bands would be. That's where we all drink. Occasionally play shows there, but there's, you know, the Albion was going strong. The Globe was happening. Like, one of my first gigs was at the Globe, obviously before Zed Bar, and it was a dirty, dingy pub, but it was so good Mm -hmm. and so fun, and everyone knew everyone, and I wasn't much of a singer then. I was singing in a band. I wasn't very good. So um, there was actually a question. I know Mel's got something, but just on that, what I was getting towards was the fact that you've been able to front multiple bands with some of the heavyweights around here. Like I've, I'm just a few off the top of my head. Josh that, Lister. Well, <laughs> that's that's not for me to say, but Dan Hinges, who when I first moved here was basically my idol on the base locally. And, and he's you, still you played with Simon Caldwell, who is just a creative freak drummer. Uh, Ryan Sawdragger, who m- many people may not remember that name, but he was probably the best of all of the young drummers when oh, I first moved here. Yeah, uh, We were in a band with Liam Willoughby at the time, like mm-hmm. later on, who was probably the most creative person that I've personally met. Yeah, exactly. And Aaron Campbell, who you play with now. Oh. He's like, you've been with, what's it like to have fronted so many bands with people where you don't turn up to watch a band Dan Hinges is in, for example, he's a great bass player, and think mm. this band's going to be average. Mm. Oh, no, They're going to be better than average, you would assume. Yeah. Is that How's that been through your early music career, fronting bands where the expectations were so high? Oh, amazing. And I mean, like a lot of, it can go two ways. Like you, you go into a band just wanting to be in a band. Like you don't really think I've got an all-star band. You know what I mean? I'd like to think that any band I'd been a part of, apart from Red Shift, which was really a slap together coming out of high school band. And that's where everyone sort of starts. You find like minds in high school and then you, you know, sort of play around with the idea of being rock stars and especially when Silverchair were doing their thing and we were at the same age and it's like, well, they're famous and then we were really writing dog shit. It was terrible. Like music, we were one of the first to really do rap rock in Albury-Wodonga and that was a horrible idea, <laughs> especially when I was wearing white contact lenses. Oh, my God. And doing ra- – oh, yeah, trust me. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea. Whatever you're thinking, amplify it by eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's the level of terrible that we were. I'd like to think that uh, – I did subconsciously select some of the people I was playing music with and I knew how good they all were. You know what I mean? Like, especially in Polygro, like Jason Hoffman was a great guitarist. Dan Hine, just especially a great bass player. And he's still a great bass player now. Stewie Davies was on the drums who played in Sounds in Seattle with us. There's nothing he couldn't do on the drums. And going from band to band and especially ending up with you and Dan, I mean, it was very much the same thing. Even though we found a good friendship and eventually a brotherhood hanging out together, playing music. And I knew you guys were good. I knew you were a good guitar player. I knew Dan was an exceptional bass player and Cordua was a basically the animal from the Muppets. That's who he is. That's If you're going to compare him to other drummers, like not like Dave Grohl, you would compare him to Animal from the Muppets. Yeah. Just a cyclone. A sweaty animal. Exactly. We're talking about Simo Caldwell. Simo yeah, Caldwell. Yeah. yeah. Probably doesn't come up enough on this show. He was, yeah. He's still one of the best people I've ever played with. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. And one of the best stand-up, funniest guys you could ever hang out with, basically. Like his laugh, not to you know crush on him, is infectious. Like he will just laugh at any joke you tell. Yeah. And you will laugh because he's laughing. Yeah. Like he's just that much of a nice, yeah. infectiously joyous guy. So it was always great hanging out with these guys. But then starting a band, like getting to Josh and Dan and getting into the third estate, I didn't really realize how good the nucleus of that band was until we were right in the thick of it. 
And at first it was good. It's like, oh, this feels good and we're really gelling and blah, blah, blah. But really two or three months in, I was like, oh, fuck, this is pretty special. And like, I do that a lot. I like to, yeah. I like to look for the special yeah. in everything. Like I always think I see things that probably aren't there, but yeah, okay. that's my, and it's weird. Like if Maddie heard me say the word optimistic, she'd be like, what? You are not optimistic. You're creatively optimistic. I'm creatively optimistic. In life in general, the most pessimistic <laughs> bastard you've ever heard in your life. I'm like, this is shit. This is shit. Like I've been drinking red wine more than a couple of, well, I usually have one glass a night. I've been having sort of two lately. <laughs> Just, man, I can't afford this and the finances are up to shit and COVID's fucking shit and we can't go anywhere and do we get a vaccine? Do we not get a vaccine? I don't know. More wine. And Maddie's like, just have another wine, please. Like, <laughs> I just can't listen to this. Yeah. Hola. Yo soy Rudy. Me estoy conectando con ustedes para preguntar si puedes comprarle un café a Josh y Mel. Justo en el medio de mi propio episodio. Vaya. PunchingSideways.com Para apoyar la programa. Y ahora, volvemos a la entrevista con... Bueno con you. Hasta la vista. I like to think that I'm subconsciously looking for the right formula. And especially today with the music we're playing today and the people we're playing with today, it has finally dawned on me. It's not me looking for this. I know it's special now. Like I, I tell Josh all the time, finally after 23 years playing music, finally I've cracked the code and I've got the right formula and this is going to be something special. Did you crack the code or did you fall into puzzle? No, to be honest, I did I did handpick. Like I'm not taking credit for putting the band together, but I did sit at home and I thought, because with the last band we were in, Forgotten Kings, that was with Dan and Aaron and Hayley, another phenomenal drummer, we just played covers for a couple of years because we thought, you know what, creatively I'm sort of spent. Yeah. And because I am a creative person, like I like to write music and write stories and, you know, act in things and all that stuff. Like I I never stop doing that. And Josh knows, like I've got a billion post-it notes a day with every idea I come up with. And then for a little bit I was just creatively spent, mm-hmm. especially when you're in Aubrey and you've got all these outlets and you're putting all your energy into it and you're still in Aubrey. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting anywhere. And when COVID hit, like, I can't go to auditions anywhere anymore. Like, you can't go to the cities and audition because things change. Even if I got a part in any acting thing at all, I probably can't go. So all of that was starting to get a bit much. So with Aaron and Hayley and Dennis, like, let's just play covers for a bit. And that was just before COVID, but like, I was just spent. Yeah. Let's just play covers. It doesn't require any thinking. We'll entertain the masses and we'll make a little bit of money on the side. We all wanted to make a bit extra money. And it was great. Eventually, it became a bit of a job, mm-hmm. and it was something else. You know, oh, I've got to go to practice, and then we got to play it. The band did, and I can't be stopped. And you know what I'm like? I'm super excited about anything creative, music-wise. The month leading up to it, like, this gig's going to be sick, man. There's going to be so many people, and oh, my God, I can't wait to do this song. Waking up on the day, I'm like, fuck, I can't believe we have to go do this show tonight, and I just don't want to, and I just don't want to see I've got anyone. some PTSD going on right now. <laughs> yeah. Basically. I swear I've had to cancel three shows oh, just basically. off the top of my head for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> or I think I'm dying. Like, I remember one of the Forgotten Kings, we were playing at the Boomer, one of our last shows, and that morning I got a blood nose. This is something you'll learn about me eventually now that you get to know me is I'm a massive hypochondriac. Yeah. And if I get a headache, I've got a brain tumor. Yeah. If I, I get a sore leg, I've got thrombosis. Yeah. Like anything like that. And then this one morning I got a blood nose out of nowhere and I watch a lot of movies. Usually that means you're about to die. You know, <laughs> you get a blood nose. And then we had like, I don't know, four hours till we had to hit the stage. And I rang Dan and Aaron, I'm like, dude, I've got a blood nose. I don't know what's going on. And I was still smoking cigarettes then. And then I coughed and this blood splattered on the back fence because I don't know why I was outside talking. I just felt more comfortable <laughs> with the fresh air. And I coughed and blood just went on the fence. I'm like, fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's generally the feeling. I was like, I've got to go to hospital. I can't do this show. Do I do this show? Do I not do this show? And Dan's like, dude, just go to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Turns out I just had this post-nasal drip. So the blood nose I had was going down the back of my yeah. throat and coming out my mouth. I was writing a will <laughs> like that afternoon and I had anxiety and like I get anxiety bad about that shit. Like I've got a issue with mortality in general. Mm-hmm. 
I can feel hot flushes and my heart yeah. starts racing. And I'm basically a basket case. <laughs> like I'm wrapped up in a decent, confident package, but inside I'm crumbling There's some like a it's flake a, bar. But it's a facade. Basically, window dressing. Basically. I'm all about, like, I've got terrible window dressing. I mean, let's just look at me right now sitting here in a just hobo. Just so people at home, she's currently wrapped in a very large blanket yeah. wearing a flanny. Yeah. You look like Leo. This is actually my good flanny, and i am coordinated my active wear pants with my flanny today. I noticed, I noticed that. Thank it you. It's impressive. Um, yeah. Even the lines. Yeah. Match- I've made a little bit of an effort today knowing I got to... The privilege of meeting one of Josh's good friends. But this is the beauty of podcast slash radio. I mean, I was going to go pantless because well, it doesn't really we matter. We may need to make the table a little bit taller and then that can be an option. <laughs> yeah, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so the facade, well, that's all part of like, the actor, the expressive creative, mm. right, where there's a, there's a troubled internal side, but the external is where mm. like people think that you're one of the happiest, confident people running around, but it's part of being good at acting, hey? Well, I mean, it is a common trait. Like, if you look at any lead singer, whether they're famous or not, they all have the exact same, like Chris Cornell and Mm -hmm. Chester from Lincoln. Like, you would never know that internally they were thinking or going through the things they were going through. Yeah. Me being a conspiracy theorist, still don't really buy that (laughs) what they say happened happened to them. I think there was something, like the Kurt Cobain thing, like- Hopefully Courtney Love doesn't listen to this show, but I don't. She hasn't written us a tweet. Not <laughs> she yet. will. She will after this one. But obviously, I think Mel. She- where did you get that blanket? <laughs> <laughs> Could I ask a, a question, Rudy? Yes. It just comes to mind. Do you think that because I've always known you as someone that lives in the future, mm-hmm. and I can do that as well, and I can get sucked up in the future, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I get really caught up in. Wait a sec. We need to focus on this. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a period towards the end of A Candela Lie where I was very much focused on, let's focus on the present to the point where I was probably being a little bit of a dictator about it. Mm. Do you think that your optimism about the future is what quells a bit of the turmoil in the present? Like, do you, do you find that that, not so, Mel called it a facade, and I think that's probably an appropriate term. Yeah. To be honest, I but think- But that outward positivity about, oh, this is happening in the future, we're going to do this, yeah. this is great. Does a, that help you deal with that internal stuff? I've got stuff? a different view on this. Really? Well, yeah. literally, that's- well, That's not my view, that's no. just my question. No, so. literally, that's what gets me by. And you've known me for the longest time. I'm always talking about what's next instead of what is sort of thing. And, and it is, it's what gets me by. I think about the prospect of anything that we're doing and the potential, like I'm a huge potential person. You know what I mean? When I say the potential in something, I'm like, this is going to come from this. This is going to come from this. I can't wait till that happens. Smile, smile, smile. Everything's good. The world is good because I know something's coming. So literally, yeah, I do use what I think is coming in the future to get by presently. You know, I might think I'm shit now. I'm not feeling super confident or I'm anxious all the time now, but you know what? In a month's time when this thing happens or when I get to do this or when this thing comes out, Life's going to be great. All right, crystal ball. What's mm-hmm. coming? Whoa, lots. Well, it depends. I mean, COVID's going to have a lot to do with what's going to happen and what's not. Music-wise, for the first time ever, there's not going to be any real pressure behind it. And by pressure, I mean, and I mean, we're older now, you know what I mean? Like than what we were, we have clearer minds and we know the reality of everything now compared to back then where everything was smoke and mirrors and you thought you could be a rock star sort of thing. So you'd push everything and let's do a billion shows and we need to get on here and get on the radio for the first time ever, even though I'm still very optimistic about what's going to come out of it because this is a a different beast altogether, this music. The music is galaxies better than what anything we've, we've ever written and it is going to transcend and it is going to translate compared to everything we've done in the past. But in the past, you know, we've wanted to be different and- We were pretty niche. Our yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, we'd hit- a market, but it might be a very smaller market compared to everything else. But this is different. This is for everyone. And like, I just can't wait sort of thing. But um, I'm going to backfill this a little bit okay. because I don't like, I'd hope that there's some people listening that don't necessarily know you and Josh intimately and your life story. So I just want to fill in a little bit about, you're talking about all this past stuff and everything. So I know people that have been listening might know that Josh was heavy into music for a bit. You were also heavy into music. Josh then came out and said, I'm over music. I hate it. 
I'm giving up on music, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And that was yes. what I, that was the Josh I met. That was not at all what happened, but. The Josh I was, met, I've given up on music. Yeah, what ah. I said was, and this might be the first time you hear that. And what Mel's saying was essentially a hyperactive version of the truth. <laughs> I said, as soon as I discovered stand up, I got everything I ever wanted from music in one moment. The rush, hearing the first time I ever got a laugh, which is the feedback I never felt like I fully got from music. Yeah. I, f- I did say to her, and I was committed to it at the time, I said I would be okay if I never was in a band again mm. and music wasn't a huge part of my life. That is all that I said, but it probably, honestly, coming from me, someone that's got some musical history probably did sound exactly like what she's saying. I'm fucking over this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. It was... This wasn't just a one conversation. Thing. No, no, this was, it was a, multiple. I finally feel like I've given up. Like, yeah, well, I'm I, ready to move on. I would from be okay, yeah. not being involved. Yeah. So he said that, but there's this big backstory where music was such a big part of your lives. It was the only in thing. there, and you toured big places, like places that Groove and the Moo. Mm. Like, what? What else? Where else were you? Yeah. So it was a big deal. we. We played all of the bigger stuff locally, I guess. Dusty Days a few times in Wagga. Yeah, Peaches and Cream. Peaches and Cream. We did Groove in the Moo. We were the only local band there. And we year. played with a lot of big bands. Uh, we played yeah. with Mammal at a big thing in the X Games in Jindabyne, and we played at the Esplanade Hotel on several festivals oh, man, we in played, Melbourne. We played with Cog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we played with some big, yeah. big bands. I mean, we did as well as a band that, you know, yeah. I guess worked as hard as us could do at the time. We weren't probably working anywhere near as hard as we thought we were. Mm. But yeah, we we had a fair bit of history. So so you've done that. You've moved on. You've got on with your your little bits. And then how? Now you're talking about we're doing this. We're doing this. Now let's just talk about what actually happened because you are all in a new band now that just sort of popped out of nowhere. I heard whispering. I heard this. It was a, it was probably a weird timing thing like for Mel to. I'm going whispering. on about how I'm over it. Then two weeks later, and then someone goes to me. Oh, I hear Josh is in a band. This is really good because, like, he's amazing. And I was like, Josh, he's amazing. <laughs> I was like, no, he's giving up on music. And then I was like, shading this other person. Mm. But so on the sidelines, you guys have almost started this underground thing. And was part of that to remove the pressure. Like, you're talking about this has no pressure. Mm. And was that part of the reason? Like, we're not really going to talk about this because we don't want. Well, this to be pushed on us? Yeah, well, basically. And like this, to be honest, so many factors contributed to the beginning of this. Like, I mean, obviously the current climate, this climate has affected everything. Mm-hmm. Like every decision you make, you know, whether it's social, work-wise, anything like that. And being as sheltered as we all have, and like music, you know, like I fell out of love with it very, very much mm-hmm. because creatively I was spent and I, like I know Josh wanted to focus on something else and like, Honestly, side note, you finding stand-up, which I never could have seen coming. Like, as much as I like to crystal ball everything, I did not see that at all. Josh is one of the funniest guys I've ever known. Like, we'd be, even back in the Sodens days, and we're all young and dumb, you know what I mean? We're fairly intelligent for, for dumb people, but but we didn't give a shit about anything. Yeah, we were smart, yeah. dumb. Yeah. Like, like Josh's thing, you'd know Josh was drunk, remember back in the day, like your thing? Because Josh was very sensible. We'd all just get absolutely pissed every single like three nights four nights a week you'd know josh was drunk he was fairly subdued drunk person but you'd know when he'd have his drink have half of it and then just dunk the the rest of the drink on his head (laughs) he would literally just upend the glass on top of his head and everyone go yay josh is drunk i did do that and then he just sort of quietly walk off and go to the bar again hey punching sideways people guy miley corain here from big and tall trivia which I co-host with Josh. That's right, Josh from this very podcast. You can see all our upcoming events and also find out more about when our next trivia nights are happening. Just head over to facebook.com slash trivia. Now, let's get back to the podcast. I think to what Mel was talking about, how did it get going? I think part of the thing with Dan was that the music was objectively... Maybe even subjectively, we all felt it, but objectively, if you're looking at it as a quality of song, the songs were getting better faster than any of us probably even, well, for me, getting back to Mel's point before, they were getting better quicker than I wanted them to. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to be in a band that has, because there's no pressure in terms of trying to take over the world. Exactly, yeah. But we've almost created a pressure just the fact, oh, this music's better than Mm. 
it's as good as what I thought we'd be writing in 12 months. Oh, exactly. Not 12 weeks. We actually can't even keep up with ourselves. Yeah, and we're, which is a it's kind of like a little thing. creative thing's happening and you yeah. kind of got to ride that momentum. So, I mean, Dan's so far beyond me as a bass player, but it was, a well, we can feel the, the river's going this way and like he, for whatever reason, can't follow us down there right at the moment. No, he not at the moment. Fell off yeah, and, and we wouldn't expect boat. him to. He's got yeah. a lot of stuff in his boat. Exactly, because so. if, if he tried to tackle starting a family and this kind of silent juggernaut and seven other bands moment. well yeah because he's still got two other bands <laughs> yeah, you know, and, yeah which are both good so then it's just too hard it's yeah. too hard and this thing is that good that I don't want him to feel or didn't want him to feel pressured or torn it's better if he just focuses on this and then comes back when he's ready sort yes, of thing that, and, and you that, know that bass related door will always be open oh 100% 100% because he is when we started this band and like I put the feelers out first and all these guys are my so best friends so it was friends. you this is your fault <laughs> Basically, you took Josh from me. Is that what you're saying? No, well, he's no still I'm, there. I'm yeah, still staring. There. I'm it's staring. your fault that she felt silly one time in yeah, public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so but, you were the driver of this. Because that's what I'm trying to get to. How yeah, did it yeah. happen? No, it, it was just. So happened. it wasn't me, which is probably the thing that has been most different. Mm. That I won't say I'm the least engaged because I'm loving the music we're oh, writing yeah, and I've contributed a few of the little bits of music. Yeah. But for me, I'm less engaged in the day to day driving of things mm-hmm. than I ever have been. Which has been lovely. Yeah, which is good for Josh. He needed that because, like, Josh- I just is- wanted a purely creative exercise. Yeah. And yeah. Josh has worn a lot of pressure in the past in in regards to motivating everyone, making sure mm-hmm. our schedules are tight and we're doing what we need to be doing and that we're moving forward. And that does take a toll, like, no matter who it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially here, you know what I mean? I mean, if we were a bigger band and more famous, there's more pressure and sort of thing. But still, if you want something bad enough and you want it to get going, it's tough to- to, you know, keep that train on the track sort of thing. We're at an age now where we could just not play music again, like a lot of people, yeah. and just live our lives. You know what I mean? Like start families, try to look for better jobs, buy a nicer car, all that shit. The way I see it is why not have it all? You know what I mean? Like I've got to focus on that too, starting a family. And like I now need to look for a better car that's more reliable. Like we've got a good family car. Now I need to buy another car for me, making sure we got a nice house, blah, 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 all that shit, making sure our daughter's got an education and she's learning. But on the side, look, I have so much hunger and drive still for anything creative. Like, mm-hmm. I do a lot of writing, and even now I'm in my 40s, and most people that get to their 40s would be like, well, I've done what I can do. Yeah. It's time for me to just sit down and, you know, I'll wear a bathrobe every day and just smoke a pipe on the front porch while I so, whittle wood. But- Sorry, for people that don't know. Whittling wood is fun. <laughs> Don't know, yeah. don't negate that. Yeah. And then the fact that you can say that you're whittling. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, if, you, if you're whittling at a high level, it's high level. <laughs> just when you're saying writing, mm. people might be thinking you're talking about writing lyrics, but can you tell us what you mean more specifically about writing? Just anything. Like I've been creative writing since I was a kid. So are these ideas for you to act or are these lyrics or poems or? Everything. Like the only thing I've not written probably is poetry. Like I've two chapters into a novel that I've been working on for years, basically since A Candela Lie, when we released our album. A Candela Lie being the band we were in in yeah, 20, Josh 11, 2012, yeah. for people that don't know. And our first album that we that we released then was a concept album. So it was a story that a lot of people don't know. The inside people sort of knew, and we told people as we went along. But it was a story from start to finish. And every song was a chapter of that story. And if we went into it now, this podcast will go for now. But it was about a, a young Latino kid who loved – supernatural elements and used to research shit online and and he wasn't happy with real life and his parents were strict on him and blah 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 so it sort of was sort of life imitating art imitating life sort of thing so it was kind of my upbringing you know my dad was my parents are fantastic don't get me wrong but you know he was hard on a sort of thing because he really wanted to instill discipline so i sort of put that in the story that i was a young latino kid not happy with life but all of a sudden he wakes up and there's kind of an apocalypse and there's no one left on the planet except this kid and his dog, and they have to walk the earth looking for the next person. So that's where the story starts. That's what that whole album was about. And when I fleshed that out, I thought, why don't I make an actual story out of that? Because I'm interested in that story. Mm-hmm. And I sort of fleshed it out and I kept writing and writing, and then I thought, I'm just going to write a novel. I don't care. I may be a whatever-year-old guy living in Aubrey. You know, I might be in Aubrey the rest of my life sort of thing. Why not write a novel? Why not do anything? That's where I am now. I've gotten to the age where most people would stop and give up, but 
started writing a novel, writing as much music as possible. I write short films and trailer sort of concepts to act out, which Josh has been a part of, like the last one that we're finishing up at the moment. I will just write anything that's fictional, that is entertaining, like, I don't know how to put it, just anything. Like, it So, just- one thing that, I mean, people who know you will know this, so I'm not telling them anything, but for the people who don't, what the biggest change that I've noticed in you, particularly since Arden came along, is that as much as you are a forward-thinking, potentiality-based person, oh, this would be great when this happens, you do seem to, for the first time in your life, be deriving more intrinsic fulfilment out of just creating something, whether it has an end game or not. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. Just the actual act of making the thing is more satisfying to you than whether it has an actual point or not anymore. Yeah, exactly right. And it, regardless of whether anyone's going to witness that thing or hear it, see it, whatever, doesn't really matter anymore. I would love for people to see, hear, listen, whatever. But Like the other night when you and I were just sitting there listening to the guys recording into the computer, we were just having a conversation like adults while that was going on. Yeah, exactly. We weren't micromanaging that process. We weren't thinking, oh, well, that's not right on the click track. Exactly. We just let the trusted the guys to do their thing and you and I were talking about cars. Yeah, and that <laughs> like, was a very different thing. Like Things are just more relaxed now. And I yeah. think that comes with the level of maturity we're at now compared to what but, we were. But this podcast is so much – when I listen to the older episodes – uh, you can tell that Mel and I went in with a plan sometimes yeah. and we were trying to execute things and then we might not have been meaning to at the time, mm. but we know each other so well now that it doesn't feel like we need to do that so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's more natural, even though we probably at the time thought it was supernatural. Yeah. Now when I listen to the stuff, because I do listen to us to see how we're tracking, <laughs> we're just that much more natural. Yeah, and, I yeah. think so. It's just like pieces of fit, you know what I mean? You yeah. just got to try different things and meet different people and then eventually things fall into place and the pieces fit. And Yeah. I, th- I think that the resounding thought process is there's a trust level there. Yeah, that the people exactly. that are on board are going to do their mm. job. And a respect. Like a- and respect that, yeah, they're well equipped to mm. do it. So you don't need to overset. It's like you've put everything in place. So it's yeah. just like, okay, that's your job. It's just like you clean that toilet. That's your job. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you know how to clean a toilet. It's weird that you said that because if I'm looking back at my own behavior, particularly when I really started to try and push us forward with a candela lie, mm. I think that came from distrust Mm -hmm. i didn't trust that you guys are at the same level as me yeah i know exactly what you're saying yeah and i didn't it's only i mean you've just put it better than i ever could but i don't think i ever really trusted that you guys were it's not that you weren't as good as me because that could come down to technique or whatever else of course yeah but i maybe never trusted you're as invested as me yeah which that usually manifests in shitty behavior and also withdrawing yourself Mm. no i know exactly what you're saying And, and you were like that and not in a negative way like it was it was warranted yeah. because things did need to move along. And, you know, we had alcohol in the mix and very big social lives. And, and like, Dan didn't really care about any of that stuff. He was just happy to play. Like, he was the one guy you put in a room and just put a bass in his hands and he doesn't give a shit what's going on <laughs> or where we're going or what the ambition was. But I would have been looking at that as get on board, get with the program. When yeah. I really <laughs> – I wish I had been looking at that. Ah, oh, he's in the moment. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. I think it's definitely just comes down to trust and rapport and it takes time exactly. to forge that. Sometimes it happens naturally. Like mm-hmm. Josh and I, when we first met and had a chat, apparently we sounded all right. Yeah. Well, it's, so. it's weird that Rudy's in the building because that's the reason you're in this room. Like we would have probably been mates anyway, but it was people at a, a party that you were having. Mm. And I had two different people that I didn't know had ever listened to the podcast mm-hmm. come up to me and say, I don't know who that girl is you spoke to, Melanie. I've never heard of her. I mm. know nothing about her, but you guys have a thing. Mm. And one of them was a guy named Kieran. Yep. And the other one was Dan. Yep. But his was more like, she's great. Get her. Yeah. She should be <laughs> like Dad's excitable nature of, you must do what I'm telling oh, yeah. you right now because I'm excited. And it was fairly, fairly obvious from the start, to be honest. Like you bounced off each other really well and you had a good balance and it was very, I don't know, yin and yang type. Situation. It just works really well. <laughs> Not to get too self indulgent about us. I did want to. We're coming. We're coming up on it now. I'm quite happy yeah, for us to keep talking about us. Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, so, Rudy, you're all right. Yeah. If you I want to shine to. a bit of like, like gloss on me, I'm happy for that. That flanny is fantastic, I, by the way. Did I tell you? the color of my I just. I wanted to finish up with something that one of the greatest musical experiences I've ever had locally mm. was actually not involving me at all. 
but it was involving people I cared about. It was you and Dan seeing you guys play with Monday Saints. Mm. So you've said, and that was the Sounds of Seattle show, you've said that maybe covers don't fill you up the way original bands did. But that night, that first Sounds of Seattle, seeing the crowd reaction, the way you guys were all on stage, everyone, it seemed like a peak experience for me to look at you guys and think, they're getting what maybe we never got to have mm-hmm. in a moment. And you're playing other people's songs, but they're songs you loved like your own. Oh, yeah. It was a piece Can of Can you tell history. us a little bit about that Monday Saints experience? But also, mainly more what I care about is what it felt like for you to hear people screaming the lyrics to songs back at you. Oh, ridiculous. Like, that was a once-in-a-lifetime experience and the first time I'd ever really experienced... Uh, Sorry, can we just... Monday Saints for People was a, for the lack of a better term, local super group of really high-level players that all played a tribute show to the Seattle grunge era. Put Sorry. together by Adam yep. Picker. Put together by Adam Picker. Yeah. Yep. He was the driver behind that. He literally... He hand-picked members. Hand-picked yeah. members from bands all throughout Albury and just put them all in this super group. And put you through a massive rehearsal process. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it was rigorous. Like, it was very rigorous. And, like, to get... Because it was about 12 of us that all had to work together. And, you know, like, it'd be like a footy team. Like, we were up there playing, but then two come off and two go on. You know, sit on the bench and then another two come off. So there were three so singers, really three unique. bass players. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. And the thing is, musicians in Albury, like, we all know each other. But that – and there's been a lot of other Monday Saints iterations since. Like, you know, there was a Aussie rock show, which I was a part of that one, and then there was a – I don't know. I can't really remember all the others. But there were different groups. None of them really had the camaraderie that this one did. Like, it was – you know, for lack of a better term, it was it was special. Like, everyone in the band knew that while we were doing it. No one's ever forgot it. We all still talk about it. People still post memories about it. And there was actually talks of Brabs was actually talking of um, putting it back together again, just for a one-off. And especially tackling the music we were doing, which was that Seattle period, like the grunge era where we were doing Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. There's obviously a lot of people that went through that, that piece of history. And that still sticks out as one of the best eras of music ever, ever made sort of thing. To be able to go and sing those songs, especially that's what started me playing music. It was when I first heard Nirvana. Like, I was drumming first when I was younger. And when Nirvana came out, I was like, I don't really want to sit at the back anymore and play drums. I want to do what he's doing because this is amazing. Like, it would – and, you know, it's like being a kid hearing music you love. Like, you think it's speaking to you. And that's what it did. And, like, that's why that era of music will never, ever go away and always has a place in my heart as well as all those guys. But getting together like that – singing those songs and especially you knew that that had a fan base but you never could have expected what we did the first night going in fire marshals had to come to the ssna because there were people spilling out the door like there were people all the way at the back pokies having to look around pokies to watch us play you couldn't walk anywhere everyone sort of belligerent in a good way and drunk because it was just the time to drink and just yelling every lyric back at you and to be able to stand on stage and bask in that. You know what I mean? I've never really done that before. We've played some big stages with our own songs, but, you know, you don't expect the whole crowd to be singing lyrics back to you. And even though it wasn't our music, it was just a really awe-inspiring moment. And I know Dan had the same reaction too. Like, it was... So we talk in goosebump moments. Oh, unbelievably. Like yeah. I had goosebumps for three hours straight that night. Yeah. I remember Jake Casey telling me he did a like a almost like a spin off show. Yeah. And it was an emo music night. And of all the songs they played that night, they played a cover of Bring Me to Life. Is that the oh, Evanescence yeah. song yeah. or whatever that big Evanescence song was called? Mm-hmm. They started it and everyone looked around like, oh, that's a weird choice. Yeah. This isn't punk. Mm. And then there was hundreds of people singing that song like Evanescence were on the stage. Oh, and yeah. I remember Jake saying that he almost couldn't – it was like an emotional wave yeah. was hitting him yeah. the entire time. And I do remember you guys during one of the Alice in Chains songs. It looked like you were hit by a similar kind of wave. Oh, it was Because Alice in Chains, I think, out of all those bands, hits people that little bit mm. maybe deeper yeah. on some for whatever reason. Was, is there one particular moment that stands out? Singing, well, for me personally, especially singing Pearl Jam songs, was like a dream, you know, growing up and like I idolized that whole band. Like everyone in that band was a super group in itself. Me singing Alive by Pearl Jam was unlike anything 
I've ever experienced before in my life. And you know how, what's the word to describe that song? Like, uh, oh no, that song First speaks time to ever, people. I'm just going to let you bath. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's that, a visceral kind of song. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know when that chorus hits, like everyone knows that chorus. and It's, it's anthemic, a, yeah. Exa- that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. It's yeah. an anthemic song. And to be able to sing that and everyone's singing it back, and not just that, like I'm not going to talk shit, I sang it well. That was the thing with that band that there was no half-arsery at all in that band. Everyone that played bass, guitar, like, you know, Brabs on the bass, Dan Hindges on the bass, yeah, Jake, like, everyone played phenomenally. Everyone was super dedicated to making sure that every note was the best it could be. Like, I had Jace Ivel singing with me, who he can hit marks that I can never, ever reach sort of thing, and that's why we had a great balance. Like, I, in this register, he's in that register, and together, there's nothing we couldn't do sort of thing. It was just an epic, epic, memorable moment that will never leave me. Like, I look back on that all the time, and I look for Facebook memories. Like, when they come up on Facebook, I'll just sort of revel in it for a little bit, and I'm lost in it, and then come back out and realize that, you know, I have to go to work tomorrow. And <laughs> but you just got to share a special thing, so. Was that not a uh, just a genius marketing plan as well by Adam Picker? Oh, yeah. But he's also not only picked a, a good genre, but he's picked... 12 people from different bands that all bring their own mm-hmm. crowd. Yeah, and, and also like, lived and breathed the music style. Though. Yeah. Exactly. Like some of those people I know were promoting that unlike anything they've ever promoted. Oh, yeah. Maybe because it, they had confidence in how good it was. Exactly. But also because of, holy shit, this is, this is what I've always wanted to be doing. Yeah, because everyone did individually push that, whereas all the other Saints shows, Adam was the main driver. driver. Exactly, and he would put it out there and he'd advertise a lot and the SS would advertise, but – this one in particular, everyone knew what was involved. And Adam knew who he was picking when he picked this band. Like, he knew it was the right formula. And we used to look at each other all the time and just go, holy shit, I can't believe we're doing this. And bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there were lots of hugs and yeah. almost tears even. Like, afterwards, you're just so happy and overwhelmed. Like, it was super overwhelming. Super overwhelming. That's awesome. So, just wanted to finish up with just, you are trying to do a little bit of acting. Yeah. For someone that's basically stuck, you did mention, Rudy, that you can't do all the things you would like to be able to do, as most of us are probably creatively limited in some way at the moment. What is there for an actor to do in this kind of downtime? To be honest, the best thing you can do, and I was talking to Rob Taylor about this the other day, is just create content, basically. Like, we don't have the freedom to move around now to go for auditions, because I'll get sent stuff all the time on, on different websites and be like, do you want to go for this? Do you want to go for this? And I'd love to, but it's in Sydney and it's in Melbourne or it's here and you can't travel to any of these places. If you're lucky enough and you know the right people, like I got a cold call from Bernadette, who you know. Mm -hmm. She actually uh, gave me a cold call after talking to Rob and she offered me a commercial. She said, they're doing this commercial like Dutch media doing a commercial. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this has fallen in my lap and I'd never met Bernadette before. And I did have a really good meeting with her after that because I couldn't do this commercial. That one week, like we hadn't been on holidays for two years, that one week we were going to Tathra was when that commercial was taking place. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's my life. Yeah. Like if you know, Maddie and I talk about that stuff all the time, that shit just happens to us, that we just think, are you serious? Like we went out to dinner the other night for the first time in forever since Arden's been born. First date night ever. We walk in the door, table for, and like I reserved a table. You know what I mean? Everyone's just blowing in. Table right there at the door. So every time the door opened, just a gust of cold air had hit us and Maddie's like, are you serious? Is it us? What is it? And I said, <laughs> we're a TV show. It's like the Truman Show, except yeah. it's us. Yeah. yeah. And like people just constantly brushing past me and hitting my elbow. I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> but that's what our lives are like. Yeah. Where was I? Wow. This is like one memory. thing people will yeah. know. About Limitation. <laughs> yeah. Limitations. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That I'm, I'm also looking to- sorry for the positive stuff you're yeah. doing because I know you're working on stuff with Rob. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's what I was getting to. Like I can't go to all these things and to be able to get a commercial would be nice and that would have been a great you know, like step up sort Bernadette of thing. the connector. Yeah. And like, and that's why I said to Bernadette after that, I said, let's, do you mind if we have a meeting just to talk so I can meet you and you can meet me and we'll just talk about life in general and we'll become friends. And, and it was a really great meeting. We went for a coffee and we sat there for an hour and just sort of shooting the shit. And I said, look, if you ever hear of anything come up in the future, please don't hesitate. And she's like, yeah, great. That'll be good. Blah, blah, blah. Obviously she's got a lot on her plate. Rob actually got that commercial after I lost it. And I was like, Oh, happy Ooh. for Rob. Happy, not so much. Oh, so happy for you. Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
was great. A bit of teeny talking. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but now, like, the only thing you can really do, I guess, is just create your own content. So the latest thing we've done, which Josh was involved in when we first started doing it, is... I did a bit of acting, Mel, believe it or not. Yeah. And where was my Guernsey in this? Well, we hardly knew each other at that point. Oh, yeah, true, okay. true. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it, was, it started out as a short film, and now yep. we've turned it into basically a trailer, like mm-hmm. a proof of concept trailer yep. that you can watch or investors can look at, and if they like it, we'll make a feature film out of it if yep. you like the storyline. Yeah. And it's a hot story. It's really, really good. Why well, I play a serial killer, so it seems very... Do you get killed, Josh? No, no, he's no. he's a cop. Yeah. Oh. And the only American accent that I was fully confident in was the Brooklyn street accent. Yeah, yeah. So I sounded like a Brooklyn gangster, <laughs> even though I was meant to be a Brooklyn police officer <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. or a California police officer. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Do we get to see this trailer? Eventually, yeah. People yeah. are probably like, well, you talked about Josh having blonde hair and that was weird. Yeah. Acting, when you've never done it before. Pretty True. weird. And actually, I had blonde hair in that one. Yeah. Very bleached blonde hair when we started that one. So, yeah, we're basically just creating content. We're doing that, and yep. I've written a vampire short that's like a vampire comedy. Mm-hmm. And then there's another serious sort of vampire short that Mandy, who's the director and writer as well. So, we're just okay, going to so create- let me ask you this, Rudy, because I'm. this is what I want you to do for yourself and for me, mm-hmm. and even for Mel now and everyone listening. When's the world going to see a tiny bit of this stuff? Because I'll say- I. You've obviously always talked about being an actor. Mm-hmm. I've never seen you act. Mm-hmm. And when you were doing a certain scene in the film that I was involved in, I was in the same room. It was really pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And you were that far beyond what I expected. But it was because you could tell, okay, well, he's been working behind the scenes, not in public. When does the world get to see some of it, though? Because I don't want to be back here in two years sitting in this oh, no, room no, doing no, no. a podcast and- we're, and you're just, you haven't put anything out yet. No. So well, I'm challenging you to do it on the air. No, well, now because, you know, everyone's sort of stuck at home sort of thing, we've really been writing a lot of stuff and putting a lot of stuff into action. And we only just finished filming it last week. We just wrapped that up. Mandy's going to go in and edit it now. That'll probably take a month. And then we'll just release it. Sweet. And uh, after that, like the ball's just constantly rolling. The next thing's half written. The other ideas are still rolling. So everything's moving along at a parallel sort of thing. So a lot of things are moving at the same time. So we're really going to pump them out one after the other. And, like, I'm not getting any younger. And it's like I said to Rob and Mandy, and even with the music as well, it's like, let's just start pushing everything. So as soon as we finish one thing, move on to the next. Let's not get stagnant. Let's just no room for breaks. And when you're doing no something No eggs creative, in all of one basket. It's well, yeah, no yeah, exactly, yeah. moving. Yeah. Just so, keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just going to do as much as possible for as long as we can and put it all out there. And that's the thing. Like, in today's day and age, you can just put – anything online. It's not like back in the day when someone important had to see it. Oh, see, Anyone I'm can terrified see it by that. <laughs> Why, what's out there? No, I'm terrified by putting stuff up. I can't yeah. even get it to share our podcast. Like, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I know. And there's a few times where I'm just like, yeah, that's good. Well, like, t- do you ever just go, <sighs> well, it's funny. is this good or not good? It's good in my head, but is it actually good? Like, well, this, all is the the, time. this is the loop. All the time. Like, I, like, if I put it out there, it's out there, and then people tell me it's shit. And yeah, like, yeah. Well, with the monologues, like Josh will know, because I only showed a couple of people. I did some self-tapes at home mm-hmm. where you just take a monologue, make sure you've got a nice backdrop. Yeah. And that's what all actors do now because you can't audition. They just send those away, and that's just how it's done. I did it about four of them, all different accents, and I only showed Maddie. Uh which is also, you know, my harshest critic. Um, Josh. Did you do a normal thing and fall asleep when an actor was on the screen? <laughs> <laughs> the classic fall nearly, asleep. Nearly. Yeah. Basically, she just looked at it and said, when are you going to shave that fucking beard off? <laughs> babe, soon. Soon, babe. Josh. I showed Josh. And actually, recently, I've got a friend in the UK, Amelia, who actually works on, on big films, like mm-hmm. in costuming and wardrobe. And she's done a lot of things in the past in every department. And I kind of said, do you mind if I send you these and you have a look and just give me a really objective, you know, critique. And she sent it back and it it wasn't all, you know, rainbows and unicorns. Like it was like, okay, this is good and this is good, but I think you need to do this, 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 and this, and this. And it is exactly what I needed. Like usually yeah. you'd look at something like that and you'd be a bit deflated and go, oh, shit, yeah. she didn't like it. Or I'm not as good as I thought. She gave me exactly what I needed because I could show it to Josh. And Josh was objective too. He told me exactly what was what. Yeah, and those are the things that I take on board, and I'll work on with the next ones. But um, it was just a good little ass kicking that I need because if I'm going to do stuff like that, for example, the ones I have, I've got them on YouTube, but they're on private. I haven't uploaded them yet, and I will send them to casting directors and stuff. Maybe I need to start doing that. But it's just a private little account. (laughs) But in Aubrey, especially being in Aubrey, you know what I mean. You're in a small town. Like if I go out, I'm not going to go out everywhere we go and go. Yeah, so I'm doing acting now. 
you know, I'm an actor. Yeah. I just feel like a wanker. You know yeah. what I mean? They're like, yeah, right here, mate. Okay. Yeah, what have you been in? Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. I did have a commercial once that Rob got <laughs> really, I'm really, I'm Rob. <laughs> yeah, I, that is in the back of my mind. That is how I see it. Yeah. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I'm just going to keep working on it. Well, that's and, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Because we've all been waiting, mate. I mean, I've got obviously no idea about acting. Mm. But when I was in the room, I it felt more emotionally transparent than I expected. It yeah. didn't feel like I was watching someone act a part, Thank which you. I think has got to be a good start. Thank you. And I, and you would never blow smoke either. Like, you would tell me exactly what's what. So that, I no, probably not it. when a couple of hundred people are going to hear it, though. I'd probably give you criticism <laughs> in private. <laughs> yeah. So... I don't know whether Mel's got anything else, but we've actually got to go to band practice. So okay. thank you, Rudy. One more thing, actually, before we go. I remember the episode that you had um, Dan on. Yeah. And you were talking about the car accident. Oh, yeah. Let's finish up with that if you've got, if you've got anything to say. About well, it. the one thing I took away from that, and obviously you heard that whole story, and it was a very serious chapter in our lives. The one thing I just wanted to touch upon is when Dan said that just before it happened, he heard a voice that basically said, you know, something's about to happen or- mm-hmm. The only thing I could say is, please fucking tell me. <laughs> when you hear that voice that tells you that, tell the driver. Yeah. And then maybe I've got a heads up. You know what I mean? Maybe we could have avoided it if I was privy to that voice. Possibly. Telling him that thing. <laughs> I might have, you know, slowed down a little bit or. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I had to say. Thanks, Dan. Thanks Thank for that. Well, it's been get, he, he only ever gets positive feedback on this show. So there's some. <laughs> Righto. So, Rudy. I know that you probably weren't expecting this, but I was mm. hoping that we could talk about what we call the incident. Oh. Are you open to talking about it? I know we haven't talked about it much probably what? recently or at all really recently, but are you open to having that out there? What, what incident are you talking about? The incident. When we first met, why we first met, how that came to be, the incident. I thought, I thought we weren't going to talk about that. Did you know about this? I don't know if I want to. Why, not, are you bring, not, why are you bringing this up? Not up for it. But why are you doing this? Oh, what just because I thought This is of... acting. We're acting. This is what oh, we're doing. Fucker. We're acting. I don't know. Yeah. Good try. Good I should try. have had my... Yeah, Good so, try. So, so, right through it. I'll yeah, try. I told you she would... I told you that <laughs> Mel's as bad as sharp as anyone I've ever met. There was a moment where she looked concerned. I was though. like, no. I, I was like, nah, you fucks. I yeah. get to the storm. I had a whole thing where yeah. I was going to storm off. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And you were going to be left in the room. Like, yeah, just nah. Look, and- I've got a content brain as well, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. She's as sharp as I anyone. severely <laughs> underestimated you. But your acting was good. Mine yeah, it probably was. was about to get better. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Excellent. It was, I was watching I was watching the face and I was like, yeah. Tears were about to come. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Do you probably want to not, keep, probably continue? Best, probably best continue not to. Continue with the tears. No, 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 no. You've the ruined moment, it. Oh, Mel, gone. you've ruined it. It was just a, bu- it was just a bunch of swearing. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, Rudy. That's all right. Thank you. Thank you very uh, much. I'm happy. so happy that you two met. <laughs> yeah. And I'm happy you finally came in because I realise you've had an insanely busy couple yeah. of years mm. since this show started. So. Yeah. Thanks. No. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll talk again in the future. And get right back together and do something. Cool. So you can go to punchingsideways.com to listen to us. You can donate a coffee, which we did mm-hmm. get one from Emma, which we appreciate. We got a couple actually from her during the week, so that was cool. cool. And we had a few people actually share the Corinne Grant episode. So if you're wondering how can I help without donating and without, you know, so, you know, giving us money for the lack of a better term, you can just hit the share button on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or wherever you can share stuff. That actually helps us the most. Yep. Because it helps us reach people that we might not otherwise. Mm-hmm. Get us out there. Get That's us the out only there. reason we talk to different people. It's like a marketing otherwise, plan. Otherwise, like it would just a- be us. Adam Pick- <laughs> Picker. And I'm like, people are sick of me. They know that I talk a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thanks, Rude. Thank right. you. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, so that was Rudy Mel. I like him. Used to were vibing from the second that he got here with just dad jokes and puns. And can I tell you, just before you say anything, because you might be about to prove me wrong, but it was one of the happiest moments I've had in a long time. And I mean that genuinely. Not really? to not to get heavy. But there's like a triangle of people in my life. Mm-hmm. Yourself, Rudy, and Dan. Yeah. And for two parts of the triangle that I had never met to get along so well from the get-go and enjoy some of the same sorts of things like the type of jokes that Rudy was telling and, yeah. you know, 
he obviously made you feel comfortable because as soon as he got here, you your swearing started matching his swearing for a few minutes. <laughs> Not so much on record, but beforehand. Back like being at footy. Yeah. yeah. It just had a good vibe to it, but it was also like, well, these are two people that I know can be around each other and I feel even better. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Your worlds are mashing. They are. Do you know what? You thought that you nearly had me with that tricker scenario. That was Rudy. Was that, that, that was his idea. Was it? Yeah. He does like to go above and beyond. Yeah, okay. When he gets his head into something, it can occupy his whole world. So he would have been thinking about what can I do that's never happened on the show before. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it hadn't happened. and I. I think it was me that gave away the... No, it was just that... He, I, he turned a bit dark all of a sudden, did he? I think... I just knew. We were going to do it at the start when you didn't know him. Yeah, okay. And I think you used to got to know each other in record time there because it was a pretty free-flowing, yeah. comfortable conversation from the first minute Yeah, that it probably didn't work at the end because you already knew the human. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I'd... I did tell you, though. I said, she is sharper than you might realise, and I tell everyone that <laughs> just to talk you up a bit. Oh, thanks. Like, also. Her brain is quick, so you might not get her, but I think it was honestly even more endearing that you picked it up so quick because <laughs> he wanted to yell and scream and walk out of the room. And all I was thinking was, bloody hell, I hope she gets it before that so I don't have to deal with all that noise. <laughs> so, I almost felt really bad after that, no, I, that I picked it up because no, I was like, it was oh, really, It was actually funny. Shit. Like I've, And it's not negating like his actor chops at all. It's just that, yeah, it's just a reference point. And I think I know you so well yeah. that I really believe – I think part of it was not your acting either, that I I think if there was something sensitive, you probably would have said, hey, there's a sensitive thing here. Don't go near it. Yes. If that makes sense. Which is part of your, what I tried to convince you <laughs> of, that you're pretty sharp with content. But you, he, he wouldn't realise that you and I have those conversations. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Anyways. to be honest, Rudy, you're listening to this. I love you as a brother, but I kind of knew she'd get it. So I was setting you up as much as you were setting oh, me up. I absolutely don't. I don't know what would have happened if I didn't get it. Now I would have like would yeah. you have just gone and asked, well, surrounded by really, dollars. She's really let me down. I, it was fun. I actually uh, really want to do some stuff with Rudy. Yeah. Uh, I think his brain operates a bit differently to mine, but I do believe there's a level where we'd be able to have a a lot of fun and create some cool stuff because I don't mind being the the person that's, you know, having a joke about yeah. themselves. We've talked about just off air that the thing that would mean the most to us if you are listening is if you could share the show. Mm-hmm. And a good old share means more than a dollar really. Yeah. The dollars come and go. They help cover costs, but if you could share it with someone that might like it, that would be awesome. It's cool that people are listening sometimes without – telling you and yes. then when you find out of a random person who has heard some of your stuff and they start referencing it referencing it it's pretty cool it is in the past my happy feels and continue to come from the sharing of this podcast and the connectability that comes from that with other people they find out about people through our podcast and connect that way, which is, yeah, it's a nice feeling. So if you can share it and help people help each other, that'd be great. So by share, that could mean anything from sharing it on Facebook, if you see it there, if you happen to be on Twitter, retweeting it, but even just sending a link in an email to someone in the work, like in the next office next door. Yeah. If, they, if they're not interested when you told them about the show, just send them the link and say, hey, this is what I was talking about, just to directly to an episode that you like. That'd be sweet. Right, Mel. Well, thank you. Thanks, Winnie, for staying relatively quiet there. You just woke her up. <laughs> yeah, no, she sorry. knows her name. <laughs> she does know her name, and she yeah. is a dog with reasonable yeah. hearing. Yeah. <laughs> right, Mel. Thank you. Bye-bye. Laters.